Hey everybody, Chris here. Just wanted to let you know this episode is slightly outdated. We actually recorded it on Tuesday, the day before the White House had announced its hinting at a possible, considering maybe, who knows, change in policy towards releasing the IP for the COVID vaccine for poor nations. Most of our points still hold true and nothing has been changed, but we did go on quite a bit of a tangent about uh, shaming Biden and the federal government for not releasing these IPs and refusing to do so. And now it appears they are at least considering it. So we just wanted to get this correction out ahead of time before Matt drowned in 10,000 emails. So we love you all. Thank you and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Alt-Left. Welcome back, everybody, to the Alt Left, episode 23. I'm your host, Chris. With me, as always, is Matthew Jumbo Johnson. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. And the good Reverend Dr. K. Good evening, everyone. Did you miss us? I did. I said us, not just me. Yeah, yeah. He didn't. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> never mind then. I talk to you, Hills, all the time. It's true. He doesn't care about us anymore. He just cares about the listeners. That's all he wants. All he needs. That's right. I'm in this for the fame and the glory. Let me know when that happens. So after last week's episode about Joe Biden's 100 days, let's um, let's talk about Uncle Joe a little bit, because I got to say, I got some gripes. Um, we talked about some good. We talked about some bad. Um, I don't think anyone's going to take away from this podcast that uh, none of us are giant fans of Joe. Me, the least, probably. Lukewarm would be uh, would be putting it uh, nicely. Yeah, I think he's an old white dude with old white dude problems. Uh, agreed. Nothing. No, no argument here. But beyond that, you know, one of the big issues we're having, I mean, again, when don't we have an issue with capitalism in this country? But especially pressing issues, the most the most pressing issue we have currently is, of course, the covid. Right. Yeah. One of the big issues is the capitalist stranglehold on the covid vaccine rollout. So, you know, one of the things we gave credit to Joe for. Uh, was the vaccine rollout in the U.S. And again, not taking that back, uh, he took a mangled, mismanaged system, put people in power who were credible and knew what they were doing and qualified, and the vaccine rollout became efficient for Americans. Yeah. And it's been wonderfully yeah. efficient for Americans. And that's about where the story ends, because um, the rest of the world is still suffering and still dealing with issues, India in particular. Yep, that's kind of where my my gripe is, is with India. You know, we're we're hearing a lot in the news about what's going on. I don't know if you, I mean, Scott, CNN had a heartbreaking story into India where you I actually watched a woman die of it when there was no doctors around. I mean, there's people dying in the parking lots of the hospitals. Um, now, part of this, um, a lot of Western media loves extolling that this is the fault of the Indian government, which was which is fractured and has done a terrible job in rolling it out and in building their COVID infrastructure and having making sure that supplies would be organized and shipped across the country as well. And that's true. That that's an accurate statement. India is a country that drowns in its own inefficient bureaucracy for a very long time and has corruption at a lot of different levels and has a lot of Trumpy and wishful thinking. I mean, God, the president of India just had this rally weeks ago. You know, we had this open air rally with a crap ton of people and he basically pulled Donald Trump where he was like, this is amazing. Everyone come out and lick each other. It's wonderful. I'm so great. And actions like these have, and you know, anti-mask crap has gone through India too. And actions like these are partially to blame. The fact that there's 
you could only get oxygen on the black market in India. It goes to show they did not build an infrastructure in time. They learned no lessons from the first rollout, and they have built no infrastructure to ship much-needed supplies around the country. These are all accurate statements. It's not the only reason why there's a problem. <laughs> it's not even a tiny part of it. The biggest part is that there's not enough shots in arms. You know, India produces vaccine, but they still have to give a big chunk of it away. And there are pharmaceutical companies and manufacturers lining up, begging for the data to produce their own generics. We could have generic drugs floating through India, floating through South America. Flo I mean, Brazil is in a similar situation, uh, a bunch of parts of Africa. And it seems that when it comes to the lesser developed world, we have no problem using them as guinea pigs to test our vaccines. But we don't want to actually give them vaccines once they're created. And it's, I mean, again, it's, it's hard to understate what this is. This is an apartheid is what it really, really is. You know, I mean, the day this is from the World Health Organization, from the WHO, right? Over 1 billion vaccines have been administered. 82% of them have been in high and middle income countries. Correct. 0.3% in low income countries. Correct. That's what's going on. And this could be, and, and this huge divide is one of the things that made it so rough in India, right? Uh, you know, India's got one of the largest vaccine manufacturing industries, but vaccine exports have to be part of that policy. And so they don't get to keep them all and put them in their own people. And again, there are other manufacturers who would love to be manufacturing these vaccines and are not being allowed to. And the reason they're not being allowed to is because it's proprietary IP, intellectual property, because Moderna and Pfizer and AstraZeneca do not want this information getting out because then they can't profit as much from it. And we are literally holding the poor and the disenfranchised and the foreign lives at bay just so that stockholders in the U.S. can experience a slightly higher dividend. I don't understand. Can't they just pull themselves up by their own bootstraps and make <laughs> their own vaccine? That's how it works, right? Yeah, they could if we gave them the fucking info. Yeah. I mean, no, no, no. I mean, they just got to They just got to work a little bit harder, pull themselves up by their bootstraps, and uh, they'll be able to develop a vaccine on their own. That's all they got to do. Why are they being lazy? <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, that's that is the idea. That's the mentality. And again, this could be solved by the stroke of a pen. This vaccine was created with taxpayer money. Pfizer and AstraZeneca and um, and Moderna don't didn't build this on their own. This was done through government funding. We, the people of the United States, own it. The government gets this IP. The pharmaceutical industry has heavily lobbied uh, the DNC, donated lots of money, and heavily lobbied Biden to make sure that he will not release the generic IP. And it is solely for the sake of greed. That's something that really needs, because it, it, it seems so abstract. It's easy to be like, yeah, well, you know, capitalism sucks. The greedy are greedy, and that's just the world. And it's like, no, no. The president of the United States is single-handedly holding this back, and our government is watching tens of thousands of people die unnecessarily. They don't even, we're not even talking about taking shots out of Americans' boxes and giving them to Indians, which I would argue is also ethical, but I'm not even talking about taking away from Americans. Simply letting them produce their own, giving them a generic. The U.S. government could do that, and they are refusing. Well, keep in mind, too, there is 
always going to be a market for the name brand. Always. This isn't Absolutely. even about them losing money. They just simply wouldn't make as much money as they currently are. That's what that's what this fight is about. It's not about loss of money. It's not about going in the negative. It's about, well, we want to make billions and we only might make half of that. So, no. And that's the thing is the U.S. government can waive their patents anytime they want. And it will, they, they will have no recourse in court to make this better. This it's such a, it's a no brainer. It's an, it's an easy solution. So I've got two questions for you on this, Chris. Um, one, I, I do. I, I, I am curious cause you brought up American media. Now, first question is how big has the pushback been on this? Has there been any mention of it? on the more national level as far as news media goes, or are they just not getting any pushback at all? From well, Washington Post did a thing on it, I believe. I know I read an article in USA Today about it. And foreign, you know, the Independent did a great, uh, good, a great expose on piece of shit Howard Dean um, yeah. pushing for this. And again, there has been in our government some pushback. Um, there's actually got, I can't, I'm going to butcher the name. Tom Malinowski, he's a, he's a former State Department official. Uh, has got pub- right. Have I? Oh, fucking I, check me out. Yeah. Uh, he called, he's like, he's literally done uh, a call out of Biden on now. He's not working in the government anymore, uh, but he's very well known. And there have been a couple of Democrats that have called on, on Biden to speed up plans for it, but it's, it's not happening. It's not happening at all. It's dead in the water. Biden is not even talking about it. That was going to be my next question is, is has Biden responded to any challenges from this? Nope. He, he has basically decided that he's going to send over some oxygen cylinders and pat himself on the back. And boy, I can't think of anything that sounds more Biden than that. There is one other thing that has been done. I think there was a pledge of 60 million vaccines of AstraZeneca vaccines that aren't approved here in the United States yet, but they haven't been sent out because the FDA has not given them provisional use yet. And so we still haven't shipped any, uh, even though we have, uh, I want to say a few like four or five million doses that are that have already been produced of the AstraZeneca vaccine. Uh, which is similar as far, far as I understand it to the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccine. While there is a pledge, great. Until it happens, who gives a shit? Yeah. It, 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 it's, and it's, again, it's too little too late. Where was it from the beginning? Like, they were going to make their money back. They were going to profit, but they wanted to profit more. And the thing is, is they're, they already contracted for like $1.4 billion vaccines here in the united states yeah we couldn't use 1.4 or one almost 1.5 billion vaccines here in the united states if we tried we only have a population of like 329 million people that's three four times the amount of vaccines that we could ever use yeah it's ridiculous you know and i understand that they they purchased and paid for those vaccines well in advance because they weren't sure whose vaccine was going to be shown to be effective and when they were going to become available. So they just purchased from everybody in advance. Then why not just send them regardless of whether they're provisionally accepted or not? Because other countries have accepted the AstraZeneca vaccine as being effective. You know, but because the FDA hasn't given their rubber stamp of approval, we won't send them out. Yeah, it is all just absolute straight corruption. That is all it is. Agreed. I I, I feel it's hard to 
overstate this, that what I'm witnessing here is an apartheid crime against humanity. Tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands are going to die because of a corrupt decision by Joe Biden and the Democratic Party, you know, and we don't see that call out. And as leftists, guys, we need to make that a big fucking problem because we had no problem calling Donald Trump out for letting people die with COVID, for hiding in a closet and pulling a 9-11 George Bush and crying in his treehouse and not wanting to come out and do anything. We said, well, look, here's Trump. He's denying the coronavirus even exists. And he's telling people to drink fucking bleach. And he's doing all this awful shit. He's not wearing a mask. And he's responsible, blah, blah, blah. And again, it's something I would criticize the left for. It's like, all these millions, they're all on his hands. Like, well, no, there's there's a pandemic. And that was going to kill people no matter who was in charge. And Americans are trash and don't want to wear masks. And I'm sorry. We had an anti-masker movement during the Spanish flu. American is America is a hyper-individualistic culture. There's going to be a massive anti-vaxxer movement and COVID denial movement no matter what. That was going to happen regardless. Trump made it worse, but I'm sorry. Much worse. Uh, much I'm worse. Uh, much, how much worse? I mean, in, in all honesty, like, do I think he exasperated it? Sure. But not by so that big of a degree. The best estimates I actually have read is by double. How? What estimate does that come from? How, how do we have numbers on how many people wouldn't be assholes if Trump hadn't been born? I mean, how, how does that work? I, that, that, that's, there's no, that's the problem. There's no, there's just nothing we can say, whether it was a lot or a little, like all we can do is guess. No, I, I agree that those are guesses, but yeah, but it's a guess. I, I would guess say based that on nothing. well, it's not based on nothing. Okay. They can look at other countries and see how well other countries did with their mask wearing procedures and how you know, how much it spread, and then they can see how well we did here in the United States with compliance, and and you can make an estimate. Uh, now, but I, is I, that I estimate is that's, an estimate perfect? No, of course not. That, that's a completely flawed process, because America is an outlier. Trump did not make Americans anti-mask. Americans were already anti- No matter what, America was going to lead this pack. Again, if Trump had never been born, we would be in the same boat we are now. We just would have been further down the vaccine strategy. So is your argument that Trump didn't do anything at all to exacerbate this or that his his efforts in exact his con- contribution to exacerbating it was minimal? Yeah, it's minimal. I, I, I'm not going to say that Trump didn't. There's there's absolutely blood on Trump's hands. But I, I think to say that it's double whoever's making those estimates is is partisan and full of shit. And I hate Trump and I'll look for any excuse to talk shit about him. But that really takes a whole lot of the blame off of American culture and American culture is shit. Trump did not make this country racist. Trump made some racists not afraid to be racist anymore, but that didn't stop. You know, racism predated him. And again, we we had the same thing. We had literally entire cities revolting against the mask mandates during the Spanish flu and the Spanish flu killed way more. The Spanish flu killed way more people. It was way more prevalent and there was no vaccine and there was still Americans who were screaming and crying about their freedom masks. So, no, it, it would be it would be really weird to think America would be any different. And I think when we say like when Kay, when you're saying you're we're looking, you know, the, these people who made these estimates are looking at other countries and their rollouts. I would argue that they have they have better cultures than we do. And they're not hyper individualistic trash people. Like, what would you say about that? I would say that I think that you're right in terms of that 
Uh, we are hyper individualistic. I don't necessarily agree that we are uh, that much of an outlier when it comes to these kind of statistics. Yeah, but that's because America is an outlier. And so that's why these statistics, when, when someone gives you a big conflated number on this, it's suspect that that's not scientific because again, that's comparing apples and oranges. It's like, it's like people are like, oh, well, you know, Israel had this amazing vaccine roll on and did such a percentage of the population. It's like, okay, well, Israel has a lot of money, a fantastic vaccine infrastructure, and their people are not afraid of science and they have a much smaller population. Vaccinating all of Israel is a much easier task. You know, that's like if, if, if you tell me, okay, you're going to race from here to the refrigerator and Matt has to race five miles. Oh, look, Chris completed his race faster. He's a better racer. It's like, well, no, the, the challenge wasn't the same. Getting Americans to trust science and give a shit about other people more than their own convenience, that's ice skating uphill. So here's the thing. The reason I'm not talking so much, and this is, is I don't usually doubt K on statistics, but I think you raise a pretty good point. I agree. We are outliers. Um, and I think we're talking about something that is, by its very nature, very hard to quantify. How do you measure the influence of a person? Like, I don't know how you can do that. I think what Kay is suggesting is they're taking like how the U.S. did versus other countries. But you're absolutely correct. We are unique in, in, in a lot of our cultural attributes. Race and um, belief in science being key points in those. I, I agree with you on that. I, I guess the reason I'm not talking is... I, I don't have a dog in this fight. I don't think it changes the one way or the other. Uh, Trump is still a piece of shit and a human garbage. He's not going to get less. He's not going to become less of a piece of shit if his influence on this wasn't huge. And I mean, okay, I guess it kind of adds to it a little bit more if you find out he did contribute to this, but he's already killed people. So I would I would agree. Matt Trump absolutely made things worse. I just think it made it a little worse. You know, it's wrecking your car and then someone throws a rock at it and be like that rock wrecked my car it's like oh yeah it broke the window it made the damage worse like i am sure people have died because of trump's fucking nincompoopery telling people to not trust vaccines that fauci's a liar he absolutely pushes up but he has no influence on QAnon. QAnon would have existed if trump hadn't been born of course of course it would but that's not what we're talking about what we're talking about is whether one person and his health uh, policies uh, and his attitude towards the pandemic and how he spoke about it, whether the, the effect that it had on the death rates in the United States was significant or not. According to uh, the Lancet Commission, mm -hmm. uh, which looks at all other high-income G7 countries, the U.S. could have averted up to 40% of its deaths. Yeah, but I don't buy into that statistic. Like, I don't care if the okay, land I understand that you don't. I, I understand that you don't, but the experts do. Well, the experts aren't political experts. Those are fucking doctors. Yeah. Yeah, and they're comparing politics. That's the difference. This it's isn't like not, the vaccine didn't physically come here. We're comparing... They're the not United comparing politics. Yes, they're comparing the United States to other G7 countries, other industrialized rich nations. And the U.S. didn't have this heavy death rate because people couldn't get access to something. It was because Americans are shitty. And that statistic doesn't roll over into France and England. 
like how is the Lancet an authority on America's hyper individualistic nature as a the, culture? The Lancet Commission. Yeah, they're doctors. Yeah, I absolutely trust Lancet on the effectiveness of the vaccine. I don't trust them on social commentary. Okay, they were assessing Trump's health policy record. Okay, and how that compares to other countries. Okay. Okay, and based on those policies, they estimate approximately 40% reduction in deaths. That has nothing to do with politics. That has everything to do with the policies that were laid out and how those policies affected death rates. I'll play middle here, but I'll say, so it does have to do with, I mean, we're talking about politics. This is political policies. However, you are, what, what it sounds like Kay is saying, this is based on purely policy, not rhetoric alone. So that if so the argument then follows that if Trump was not in place to enact those policies, 40% of the people that died would not have died. Is that correct? That's correct. That's what I'm reading. Yeah. And I'm saying I think that's completely incorrect because you still have a huge chunk hey, of you Americans. You can believe it's completely incorrect, but the science from what I'm reading says so. That's not fucking so science. I believe the science. That's, no, you're believing what you want to believe. That's not science. So if the Lancet comes out and tells you that the best that pineapples are terrible pizza toppings, like oh, that's fucking science because the scientist said it. The, no, the, the that, Lancet is a medical journal. That's not what they're saying, though. That's 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 not even a good argument. Well, let me let me again. I'll I'll flip to the other side. Chris, is there anything you have to back up your assertion that it's American culture? How America reacted to the last pandemic was exactly the same, and Trump wasn't around. Like it was the exact same. Actually, had a higher death count. The Trump administration saved more people than the administration during the Spanish so, flu. So how many people died during the Spanish flu? 675,000. Okay. And what was the population of the United States back then? Because if we're going to do percentages, 675,000 people in the United States in 1918 is well over a million by today's standards. So no, more people died in the Spanish yeah, flu. More people died, but we also didn't have oxygen we didn't have doctors the same that we did today like that's not due to masks alone no but a big chunk of it was no it's due to better health care yes that was also part of it you can't say that the only reason why people died and uh, you're putting words in my mouth i literally said a big chunk i did not okay. say that at all a a big chunk was caused just by people not wearing masks. So it is wrong to say that a big chunk of people died because of mask mandates and the refusal to wear them. That's an incorrect statement? That's what you're telling me? During that time period, yes. Really? Because so it wasn't a problem back then? So Okay, so what was the percentage of people that didn't wear masks? Wait, say that again? What, what was the percentage of people uh, they actually during the Spanish flu that didn't wear masks? Those numbers don't exist. What we have okay, so then are how the, do you know that there was there was a massive amount of people that didn't wear masks? We don't have the numbers for how many people didn't wear a mask, which, by the way, we don't have exact numbers now for how many people don't wear masks. We have estimates. What we do have are instances of people threatening mayors and governors and, and actual public anti-mask leaks. What we do have is evidence is that it's the exact same pattern. Shitty Americans reacted the same way that shitty Americans acted today. And good Americans acted the same way that good Americans are acting today. Okay, so given those two things being equal, mm -hmm. so what's the difference then? The difference is healthcare. Yes, agreed.
I absolutely agree. This pandemic would be far worse if our hospitals were not better equipped with medical science to deal with it. Yeah, except that his healthcare policies caused more deaths because he did things like completely dismantled the pandemic response team. And he gave away and or sold all of the the medical supplies that were stockpiled. If we had had those, even less people would have died. Yes. But I never made the case that Trump did not contribute to death. I'm making the case that is not statistically significant. It is absolutely statistically significant. You, you, neither one of us have evidence. And I'm sorry, you, your opinion by a panel from The Lancet is not actual fucking evidence. It is an appeal to authority fallacy. Because there's no hard numbers. Because crystal balls don't exist. Just like I can't give you an exact hard number for how many people would have lived or would have died anyway. We don't have these numbers because that's a reality that didn't manifest. You're making an appeal to argument logical fallacy. Because the doctor said so. Are so are you, though. No, I'm not. Because I I have a feeling. True. Fair enough. But I'm not the one saying it's fucking science. And you're the one who's standing on a soapbox with a Lancet article. Like, I'm, gl- I'm, I'm glad you Googled something that fits your bias. That's not statistics. That's not hard so, numbers. So what, what other than your feeling gives you any idea that your standpoint is correct? No, no. You made a statement and that statement was that Trump I'm, I'm asking you a question no, no. and I'm I'm trying to answer You're it. not answering it though. Okay. You're telling you ma- me that I made an assumption. Yes, you made a statement. I I questioned that statement and now you're refusing to back it up and you're bullshitting this How and trying to turn this around. How am I refusing to back it up? You made a statement that By Trump best ag- estimate 40% and that's not an accurate number. So so here's what's happening. Let me let me just jump in here. K Saw an article. This is what the article's reporting on. They did a, st- a statistical analysis and they're coming to a conclusion. Kay is trusting in this statistical analysis and conclusion. Now, I, I can agree with you that, that uh, Chris, that this is not 100% um, scientifically viable. They're making guess, but all science is best guesswork. That, that's just no, what it is. No, that's not true at all. Chemistry is not guesswork. This, this vaccine did not come about from guesswork. So what I mean by that statement is is true science doesn't make real, real doesn't actually make positive claims. They tell you what the evidence suggests. That's what I was correct. more fair, that, fair that, that's, that's what correct. I was referencing. Um, so in that vein, Kay has got at least a some sort of study or statistical analysis or scientific some sort of measurable quantifiable thing that he is pointing to, saying this is this is a trusted source with trusted scientists doing the best work they can. This, I'm believing in this evidence. You so far have, have I, I'm, if I'm understanding you right, are saying this is what you feel. And so we're at a crossroads here of like, Kay is saying, this is why I think this. Now Kay is asking you, why do you think your thing? Because of the 1918 flu pandemic. Okay. To which I do there's, have numbers but Kay, on. But, and but Kay, they're, they're not equal. They're not. I but completely they're not agree. They're not. They're a century apart in technology and advancement. 100%. And I think it's just as reliable as a bunch of fucking doctors making political science claims. And I actually have a big issue with the Lancet saying shit like that. If they wanted to say that Donald Trump's health policies were garbage, led to extra deaths, and that we should be following the science from other nations more, that is the right kind of advice that should be coming out of the Lancet. But to say that Donald Trump killed 40% more people, that's bullshit. 
And if we're going to criticize these right-wing nutjobs for being anti-science, we can't jump on what is a popular bandwagon is to blame Trump for COVID. I wasn't blaming Trump for COVID. I didn't say you were. I'm saying that's the popular liberal bandwagon right now. I, this entire argument started was because of the news that keeps showing the entire death rate for the United States and blaming Donald Trump for it. That is constant. That is on every single liberal commentator. 600,000 Americans dead. That. Donald Trump. And it's like, that's bullshit. Now, 600,000 Americans dead. Do I think that if Donald Trump hadn't been president and someone, not just anyone, but someone decently competent or believed in science was president, would that number be lower? Absolutely. 40% lower? Mm-mm. Not a chance. Not a chance. You can't tell me that Donald Trump's policies personally killed a quarter million people. That's a ridiculous claim. You can I don't say think that it is a quarter million. A yeah, I don't quarter think it million is. people. All right. Yeah, I don't think it is. And what you've all heard, folks, is exactly what uh, what happens when you have things that you really can't know the answer to. Kay is convinced by the evidence presented. Chris is not. This is the impasse we're at. We have to agree to disagree. And I think it's time to move on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But that is how you have an argument. Not what Jesus told you to do. Not what your favorite celebrity told you to do. You have an argument about how credible is a resource. And you talk about facts. And you talk about history. And you talk about science. And even if you disagree, that's how you're supposed to debate about actual things in our in our society today. Exactly. And this is one of those incidents where it's absolutely okay to disagree and still meet, maintain friends. Now, if Kay had come on here and said, well, you know what? I don't think that black people deserve the same rights as everybody else. We would all be justified to tell Kay to get the fuck off our podcast and never speak to us again. And just like if my defense on Trump was like, because he was such a great president and I love him, would be a really good reason to tell me I'm a moron. <laughs> So we can absolutely still disagree on things and be friends and be civil about it. Certain things we can't, like yeah, civil rights. We disagree. Kay is still an intelligent, wonderful man who I love dearly. I just disagree with him about this one specific thing. And if you can't be friends with someone that you agree with on 99.9% .9 of things, you're an asshole. Yep. <laughs> but we digress. We moving, moving on. <laughs> Um, but anyway, regardless of all of that, the point is that there is a massive inequality going on with both distribution, because remember, the United States, uh, the only developed nation that is not exporting drugs. In fact, it actually just happened. I think it was Pfizer. Hold on. I have the, the article. Yeah, there we go. Uh, yeah, Reuters did a great article where um, we're finally shipping out the very first Pfizer vaccine, period, this week. It's going to Mexico. And it is the first time we've shipped anything out. The United States has hoarded every single dose we've made for American citizens. We have not exported it until now. Correct. And that's fucking gross. We tout ourselves as leaders of the free world. And we have, we, you know, we, we've said our science is going to save everyone and all actual men. Again, this is something, Kay, where I will give you. This is where like organizations like the Lancet are super crucial because they've even pointed out that, no, no, you want a an equal global response to this because that's what gets rid of the human reservoir. That's yes. what stops these mutations from happening is you can't just vax one area of the world and say, fuck everyone else, because you've left a giant human reservoir for the virus to thrive in. It's going to mutate. And here in the United States, we have a 
United States first centric view. Yep. And I, I'm I'm not just talking about individually, but as a country, we have a United States yeah. first view. Absolutely. The the problem with that is that yeah, we need seventy percent globally to reach what we would consider to be effective coverage. And we're nowhere near that. Here in the United States, we have administered uh, 246 million doses. 44% have at least gotten one dose of the vaccine and 32% being completely vaccinated. There is no other country that hardly even comes close in terms of the amount of total vaccines given. There are countries that have better percentages, mind you, but their populations are minuscule in comparison. Yeah, that's why I don't give Israel the credit that everyone else is, because they have a tiny population. Yeah. And it's centralized. Chris was talking about uh, India. So India has given out 156 million doses. That's only 9.3% of their entire population is fully vaccinated 2.1% or excuse me 2.1% fully vaccinated and 9.3% having gotten at least one dose. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong Kay, isn't uh, uh, you you probably know the number isn't was it 80% is where that herd immunity like you've actually got you've actually limited the human worldwide 70? Okay. So 70%. Se- so 70% is minimum what we're looking at to eliminate the human reservoir problem. Bare minimum. Correct. Yeah, bare minimum. minimum. Or the reason why we want to do that, when we have herd immunity, we stop the mutant strains from happening. Because the mutant strains are what we're really worried about. We're worried about that Africa variant. We're worried about the UK variant. We're worried about all of the other variants that spread faster, kill uh, kill more often, uh, require more hospitalization. And in places like India, in I mean, they are, their population's like 3.2 billion. Yeah. With a B. Huge. Not with an M. And, and transmission is how these things mutate. If you stop transmission, you stop mutation. Simple yeah. as that. Yep. Pretty soon, we're going to see probably two or three strains that yeah, have come resistant. out of India that are partially vaccine resistant, is my guess. Yeah. Because it's spreading so fast. They're having death rates that are higher than the United States ever was. They're having infection rates that are in the hundreds of thousands a day. And it's because while their government has money to give away, their government doesn't have any vaccines. They don't have a generic. They don't have the regular Pfizer, Moderna, AstraZeneca, or or any of the other worldwide uh, available vaccines. It's, it's really sad when you think about the countries that have the highest vaccination rates and the countries that have the lowest. The top countries are mainland China having given away the most, United States being right behind them. And then in terms of, of actual vaccine doses given, it's India. But again, we talked about that their percentage is so low, it, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, the UK, Brazil, Germany, Turkey, France, Italy, Indonesia, Russia, Mexico, Spain, and Chile are all the other high numbers of vaccines that have been given out. The lowest are places like Central Africa Republic, uh, Republic uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo, Libya, Niger, South Sudan, Syria. Uh, these are some of the poorest countries in the world. 
and they don't have vaccines to give out, literally. Uh, they have given out under 2,500 vaccines, uh, or in most of those countries, which tells you that they just don't have any vaccines to give out, period. And it's because they can't afford to buy them. No one's giving them to them. We sure as hell won't give them a generic to produce their own. And they didn't do the research or couldn't do the research to actually make their own vaccine. And so they're left to try to beg the rest of the world. And it's not just the United States that's not giving out a generic because there's like 15 different vaccines that have been approved worldwide. Yeah. But we no one will ones. give it. Yeah, we have the best ones. But, you know, like the Moderna vaccine has been being been being developed that uh, that technology of mRNA uh, has been being developed for like 20 years. Yeah. And it just recently came into where, oh, my God, we have something we can actually use it with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, same with Pfizer. They've been developing their vaccine you know, for 10 or 12 years or something yeah, like the, that. This well, I mean, not the vaccine, but the technology. That the technology. To the vaccine. Correct. You know, it took them two days, only two days to actually sequence the the uh, the virus and to come up with the mRNA, vac uh, mRNA protein structure. Yeah, 10 years yeah. ago, this wouldn't have been possible. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's it a developing science that came ago. out in the right time. Yeah. And correct. the Notes version of how this works, typically what you get in most vaccines, what you've been getting is they take a version of the virus, they inactivate it so it can't actually do anything to you, inject you with it, your body learns how to fight the virus, and then when you get the actual thing, your body's already used to fighting it. With this new vaccine, what they're doing is they're taking the protein coating of the virus and simply uh, inoculating you against that. So your body learns how to attack the proteins that cover the virus. And by virtue of that, you can attack the virus and you get immunity. Right. And it's been, a, it's been an ongoing technology that's, like Kay has said, has been going, coming out just the last 10 or 15 years or so. But we've been developing it for that time, not for COVID, just as a new way of developing vaccines. And it just so happens that uh, COVID was the perfect time to apply the technology in mass. And as you've seen, we're getting results of like 95% immunity. That's insane. The average immunity rate for, for the older versions of these um, immunizations we've getting is somewhere in the vein of like 70 to 80%. So we're already yeah. seeing that this is an improvement. It's amazing. Right. So all the anti-vaxxers out there that are trying to fill you with horseshit, don't listen to them. This technology is absolutely incredible. It Thank is you. absolutely yeah. incredible. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. There is a group an initiative that was aimed at an equitable access to COVID-19 vaccines that was created, uh, and it's called COVAX, uh, which is short for COVID-19 Vaccine Global Access. What they basically are banking on is distribution of those extra vaccines. Now, here in the United States, we're actually coming to a point very, very quickly where we have more vaccines available than we can actually use. Literally, there are no more lines to get the vaccine. Oftentimes, you can walk into a vaccination location in a lot of places here and simply get a vaccine where you don't have to make an appointment or anything like that. Now, that's not everywhere. You know, major cities uh, are still having appointments and, and longer lines and things like that. But in smaller areas, especially areas that are uh, more affluent that are smaller, we're seeing having more available vaccines. 
Now, it has been estimated that in the next year, uh, the top 11 countries alone will have enough extra vaccines to vaccinate 2.9 billion people uh, beyond beyond our own populations. So Canada, which only has a, a population of 37 million people, uh, roughly, purchased 609% to their population of vaccines, which means that they can cover an extra 188 million people. Jeez. Here in the United States, we have 329 million people, our, our population roughly. We bought 553% to our population. Uh, Italy is at 422%. United, the UK is 421%. Like most of these countries are three, four hundred percent to which these are vaccines that they already purchased, already paid for. Yeah. Because once again, they weren't sure who was going to have a vaccine when it was going to be available and how, uh, what the efficacy of those vaccines were. So they just bought vaccines from everybody. And children aren't approved yet. So they're right. buying uh, way more than the entire population of the country needs, children included. Um, and yeah. we, we're only just now getting to the point where they're applying for the vaccine to be used on, I think, children, for in the case of Pfizer, like 12 to 16. So um, there's entire swaths of, of these countries' populations that may never get the vaccine, may not need to. Talk about hoarding. Jesus. I think, honestly, that we're going to continue to vaccinate ourselves against COVID with this uh, type of vaccine. Now, it may not be the exact vaccine that we've gotten right now, but with this technology, we're going to be able to produce vaccines at a much faster rate. Like here in the United States, we get vaccinated oftentimes twice a season with the flu vaccine, right? And they do their best to pick out a couple of variants, produce a vaccine that is effective at combating those two variants, then disseminate it to the entire country. So we usually get one in the spring and one in the fall, and it helps to keep people from dying. Now, it takes a long time to produce. So basically, right after they produce the spring vaccine, they start working on the fall vaccine they start producing it and it takes them basically the entire year to produce enough vaccine to give out in the fall and then vice versa. Uh, with this technology, they could produce vaccines so fast in terms of sequencing what's being found in people today and using it tomorrow. It's almost that fast. Uh, so I think that it's really interesting to yeah. uh, technology and i think it's going to be revolutionary as far as those things are concerned well, and we're going to see less and less of these kinds of diseases having a real problem you know being real problems in our world yeah we're going to start seeing this ramp up in this evolution has definitely been a game changer and again obviously the technology has been slowly developing but we clearly needed something like this to push us into this era oh yeah um and i agree with you i think we are going to see a huge gain in the elimination of these pandemics when they come about you know that again it's just, as the technology and treatments increase because it's been a twofold process like a it's a vaccine but b also the therapeutics have gone miles you know oh yeah uh, once you Absolutely. have covid your chances of you know kind of like you were saying earlier about medical technology 100 years ago it's like yeah i mean if you had 
this this disease a hundred years ago and you went to the hospital, it would, it would have been a death sentence, you know. Oh. and now it's well, not. And it, and it the thing is, it was initially. If yeah. you remember, absolutely. Initially, if you had to go to the hospital, you were with fucked. COVID, if you had to be in the hospital, you were probably going, you know, to be very close to death. I'm not saying you were probably going to die because obviously those numbers just weren't there. But if you, we didn't have oxygen and all the therapeutics and all of the inhaler technology and all of those things, you would just go to the hospital and die. And that's honestly what we're kind of seeing now in India is that people are going to the hospital. They lay in a bed until they die. People in India are sharing beds, two people to a bed on the same ventilator if they even have a ventilator. They have no oxygen to speak of. They can't produce enough to do anything with. The only way you can purchase it is on a black market. They are having the worst case scenario right now. I, I hate to say it, but I'm kind of surprised that it didn't happen earlier there just because of the individual poverty that they actually have in their country. While the the government may have money, like I said, the people there are poor. Yeah. The, the standard of living for the nation is incredibly low on average. Yeah. Um, and it is... Again, you know, we, we had that list like, what do you see the future? And it's like, it's like I look at India where the the differences, you know, the 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 differences in who holds wealth in that nation, the the the, the vast canyon and rift between them is so huge, and that's been a distinctly Indian problem forever. But we are definitely headed in that exact same direction. And and something that actually kind of concerns me along that note is okay. So we know Pfizer, Moderna, Astra, these guys are going to profit off a big time, which is whatever it is what it is but co um pfizer actually set their numbers out recently and their estimate is 26 billion in sales for next yeah. year 26 billion and that's covid vaccine alone that's not counting mm -hmm. all the sweet boner money they make all the time and all the other drugs they make because pfizer makes a lot of drugs oh yeah they do and they make a ton of pharmaceuticals but just just co just covid alone 26 billion and i have to wonder the reason that the government is not releasing these generics or doing all these other things is because they're feeling pressure from the pharmaceutical industry which is a major donor we have citizens united basically legalizing bribing and now we have a pharmaceutical industry who's already one of the largest campaign contributors and one of the biggest lobbying organizations in the country now making absolute buckets of cash more than they ever did are we yeah we're seeing the science increase exponentially but are we going to see this capitalist problem with life-saving drugs increase exponentially as well is what i'm wondering well we here in the united states have a distinct problem with our pharmaceuticals more so than any other country unless it's something like this though because i would argue right now india is having a big problem with american pharmaceuticals. no 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 that's that's not what i was talking about I, I agree with you there but what i'm talking about is simply that here in the united states we pay more for pharmaceuticals than any other country in the world any pharmaceutical here in the united states and you go to mexico or you go to canada and the price is a fifth less for the same drug there's a reason why people that are diabetics go to fucking mexico and buy a bunch of diabetes supplies and then put them into their carry-ons and stuff like that trying to get it across yep. the border they and will go to that extent and take that much risk because they have to 
because they can't afford to buy it here. So how much is this going to be exacerbated by the record profits they're making? Oh, absolutely. Well, exacerbated um, for anything other than uh, than the COVID vaccine. I don't know that it will increase anything else because of the COVID vaccine. They will make absolute ridiculous record profits. It, it just isn't necessary. No, but I'm saying that business running 101 is reinvesting your profits into things that increase the profits. And if the number one profit sharing part of the pharmaceutical industry is them lobbying for laws that let them jack their prices up, how much of this money is going to go into increased oh, lobbying to make Americans lots. lives even worse? Lots. Is what I'm, lots. I'm, I'm just looking yeah, at the dom. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at some of these dominoes here. What were you saying, Matt? No, I said without a doubt. Yeah. I was agreeing with you. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, they are not going to invest it into their companies uh, looking to make less money from their other drugs. Uh, I think that they will continue to make you know the same money on other drugs, but anything in the future is also going to continue to be increased. Yeah. As the different variants of the vaccine start to come out and get approved, we will continue to see those prices for those vaccines be increased because now it's it's better it covers more variants you know and it's ridiculous it's unnecessary i i agree yeah we ha we could do an entire episode on the pharmaceutical industry and how we probably it is. will <laughs> and there's still people who won't take this damn vaccine yeah yeah between conspiracy theories uh cultural issues religious issues it kind of feeds a little bit into what Chris was saying. Um, there is that element here in the United States. Look, I'm just saying Bill Gates got microchips into everyone's arms, and now he knows. Now that he's getting a divorce, Bill Gates now knows Bill Gates what getting single... divorced? Yes, and what now... They announced oh, well. it today. But now that Bill Gates is getting divorced, he now knows what vaccinated single women are out there. That Wait, was the did big... he file or did she? They announced it together that it's happening. Oh, well, oh, all right. But yeah, that's a big conspiracy theory that's out there. Um, another one just in general that this was all a hoax. Yeah, that the politicians flu. have made it up so that they can prop themselves up. That the vaccine is really just a, a ploy from Big Pharma to, to harm you and get your money, which, you know. That's is, half true. They want your money. Yeah, which is, which, and th but those are always the most insidious conspiracy theories, right? Where there's a nugget of truth or it's based on, on a true fact. That's what makes them the most insidious because anybody yep. that, that would have a brain can be like, yeah, big pharma's bad. Generally speaking, they are not out to help us. They're here to make money off of our backs. Nobody's going to deny that. These conspiracy theory notes are just taking it a step further and, and then piling lies on top of that. Um, but it gets insidious. And one of the things that bugs me the most, it probably came out a little bit uh, on our religious episode, but it's, let me just preface this by saying, of the three of us, I will say this once again, I am probably the most aggressive in my anti-religious views or passionate, should I say? Is that fair? Yes. Yes. Uh, I don't like religion. I don't like it at all. And I mean any religion. I focus mostly on Judeo-Christian religions, uh, specifically because I live in the US and that's the prominent one here. But I think all religions are ultimately bad and cause people to do bad things. And this is a prime example of that. Most of these people believe in their pastors, their priests, their religious figures, and for some reason, Donald Trump, more than they believe in science. So these views have kind of just allowed these weird anti-science, anti-vax, anti-mask ideas to just fester. 
And uh, I think it's one of the reasons why religion is especially insidious because yes, at the end of the day, stupid people are going to be taken in by stupid ideas all across the world. Religion simply provides an additional mechanism to get those who would otherwise not believe in stupid ideas to also believe in them. I'm actually going to disagree with you a little bit on that one. And, and, I, and I truly mean a little bit because I agree with you that in general, religion is the opiate of the masses. But like, I don't know. I don't see a lot of reformed Jews talking shit about vaccines. I don't even see a lot of progressive Christians talking shit about vaccines. What I see is Christian fundamentalism pissing in the Cheerios. And, and here's the thing. You're absolutely right. Because I haven't seen the Methodists come out about anti-vaxxing, you know? No, you're, like, because you're, the Methodists you're right. are fucking sane, just yeah. like the, <laughs> the Episcopalians. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Conservatism and religion is a bad marriage. Those two get <laughs> like, together and produce hell spawn. Well, and let me just clarify here. What I was talking about, yes, I don't like all religion in general, but it's true. The things I was talking about as far as uh, here in the U.S., is driven by religious fundamentalism. Just just to give you an idea, there's about 41 white evangelicals, which is what Chris was mentioning here in the US. About 45% of them said in late February that they would not get vaccinated against COVID-19. In which case, I will retract my disagreement then. If we're going to talk about simply like fundamentalist Christians, then I got nothing. They're just garbage. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I don't like all religion, but evangelical Christians are probably some of the worst, most garbage humans you'll find. And and not just evangelical Christians. I also want to say um, like Missouri Synod Lutherans. Yeah. You know, Baptist, not the good Baptist, but like the hardcore uh, white Baptist. Um, Also like. Uh, Pentecostals. Yeah. It's it's all fundamental. They're fundamentalists is what they really are. Yeah. All religious fundamentalism. Yep. So, um, and that's what I was referencing. I should have qualified that. I was kind of getting on my, my big anti-religion uh, soapbox, but it's true in terms of COVID, it's the, uh, the evangelicals and the other groups that were talking, basically all the Christian fundamentalists here in the U.S. that have caused the biggest amount of problems. Given the numbers I just stated, that's roughly 20 million people that have basically committed to not getting this vaccine for whatever reason. Now, a lot of them will wrap it up into their religion because a lot of their religious leaders will propagate a lot of this Bill Gates conspiracy theory nonsense. And, and, you know, the government is evil and they've abandoned God. And, you know, this is why the frogs are turning gay. It's all this crazy bullshit. There has literally been articles going around saying that the vaccine drives you further from the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. But this is the kind of stuff they spread. Now, they believe this crazy shit before COVID. This is just something new that's been added to their pile of crazy. But it's all wrapped up and very intrinsic to their religious beliefs. This is who these people fundamentally are. And I'd even argue, in certain respects, it's their conspiracy theory, anti-science belief system is now so ingrained into the religion that it's now a part of it. It's now a religious belief. They're so dogmatic Absolutely. about it. But I don't think it's going to be a problem anymore because the day has already been saved. Like, here's the thing. We, we, we have a couple of big problems in this country, and we have already heard that Biden supports trans kids. So therefore, fundamentalists are going to go away. He thinks a police reform bill should be passed at some point with some kind of incremental change. And so therefore, policing is, is solved. And, and that white nationalism is officially terrorism. And so therefore, they're all just going to poof away and problems are solved, guys. Like, it's, it's time to wrap up the podcast and just call it a day. It's been a good run, but the left obviously won, right? Problems are all solved. We don't even need to talk about religious fundamentalism. Well, yeah, the, the left one. Uh, our next week's episode will be about uh, why Marvel and DC uh, can never coexist. 
<laughs> That's Superman's actually a separate podcast goat. that we're working on. <laughs> Superman's the goat. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, none of that makes any fucking sense, and and you are absolutely right. Religious fundamentalism has always been a problem in this country, but especially since the Bush era is where it really went off the rails as a political powerhouse, and we are suffering the consequences. And I think yes, I think Matt's right. I think they're dire. Christian scientists typically have a rosier view on social issues, but they also want their kids to die if they get sick. Yeah. Because it's God's yeah. plan. How is that not child abuse? Well, it is. <laughs> it not is legally. Well, depends on what state you're in. Got to protect that religion. You know, there's actually one other group of people that are not getting vaccinated, but not necessarily for religious reasons. Because Q told him? No. Uh, actually, we're seeing a lot of people in ethnic communities. Oh, Fallout from like Tuskegee experiments kind of stuff. Not necessarily Tuskegee specifically, but in terms of uh, misinformation moving about uh, communities of color. And when I say color, I mean uh, the black community, you know, Hispanics, uh, Latinos of Asians, everything uh, non-white, any, any, everyone non-white. And it's, and it's specifically because of misinformation. It's not because of religion. Well, I'd also argue that with with the black community, especially, there's not exactly a positive history with you no, know. No, there isn't, and you know, medicine, science, and things like that's and, what I'm saying. And, we're having the fallout from the Tuskegee experiment. Like that is there's a direct link between that and black Americans' mistrust of medical sciences. Mm-hmm. Medical sciences, specifically with black people, have all kinds of double standards. Mm-hmm which have been ingrained in the medical industry. And so there is a mistrust of the medical industry as well as the government in a lot of these communities. I mean, let's not forget that our medical scientists were forcibly sterilizing women at the border a year ago. Yes. Yes, they were. But just in general, they they have a mistrust of government. They have a mistrust of medical industry. And so... As such, we see less vaccination rates in those communities versus white communities, Yep. Uh, just in general, which is really disheartening because uh, I believe that everyone should get vaccinated. I try to talk about it with everyone I can as to the reasons why they should get vaccinated to try to dispel that misunderstanding as best I can. And there's that, what's that saying that like, if you tell yourself a lie enough times, you start to believe it. Like that's a, that's a phenomenon too, is you're having these vaccine hesitant people then lying to themselves. Like, Oh, I have an allergy to this one thing that's in the vaccine, which is bullshit. Or I have an an exemption for this reason. It's like people literally are finding a reason to get themselves an exemption and then telling themselves that so many times they, they then feel themselves victimized by others who will not get vaccinated. It's yeah, I definitely weird... think that that's part of it. Uh, but I think a lot of it is just like, oh, I heard it does this. Yeah. No, no, it really doesn't. Or the, let's take the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, right? So in eight cases. Oh, my God. Yeah. In eight cases uh, were found to have uh, of women were found to have blood clots. Now. There was a whole huge investigation that was done after they stopped giving out the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. And what did they find? 
Nothing. It didn't. It, it was never higher than the background rate. Significant. Yep. Well, yeah. Statistically insignificant, and the background that it was rate was not necessarily correlative. Yeah. And wait, hold on, real quick. It was eight out of what, like three hundred thousand or something like that. It was like I thought it was less. I thought it was like six out of like six million. No, no, because the, the eight were out of like a, a couple of months in a certain area. It was like forty four thousand, I think. Because I mean, I'm sorry. If you hand me forty four thousand people that drank coffee yesterday, I guarantee you, eight of them got blood clots. Yeah. That, well, that's exactly it. Is it higher than the background rate? When you look at any single group of people with that high a number, is the number of them that have this effect the same as what you have with people getting the vaccine? And it, it, it is, and sometimes less. Yeah, and the sad thing is they do a scientific study on it, and the only reason you even heard of it is because due diligence is being done correctly yep. by the scientific and medical community. The only reason you even know about this is because the right alarm bells went off, and they're doing the right science. They find out it was just correlative bullshit, but now the genie's out of the bottle. Yeah, And now all these fucking yahoos are like, nope, I heard it gives you the brain tumors in your lungs. And it's not true. But as soon as that lie is sent out there and that fear happens, all of a sudden it's another again. It's, it's that excuse of like, nope, I'm not getting it because I heard that it does this thing. And it's all anecdotal bullshit, not science. Okay, so the, the rate for uh, blood clots was seven per one million women vaccinated. Not seven. people. Seven per one million women vaccinated between the ages of eighteen and forty-nine. Again, so give... yeah, statistically insignificant. Can we say? Yeah. So we're talking about several decimal points beyond even a single standard deviation. I Correct. mean, the levels of this are again, it is unscientific to claim there's anything going on here. One million women. Again, you find me one million women who had a peppermint candy and I'll give you seven women who had blood clots. That's the reason why we went back to using it here in the United States. It's 0.0007% is because it was statistically insignificant. But the genie's out of the bottle. Now we're all scared. I really may emigrate back to England after I finish my degrees. I'm so fucking sick of this goddamn country. Go hang out with your buddy Boris. Oh, fuck Boris. I'll go hang out with the goddamn queen, motherfucker. So I think that kind of wraps this one up, doesn't yeah. it, guys? Absolutely. I think we've kind of beaten this COVID horse uh, pretty good today. Um, So remember that correlation is not causation. Background numbers for things exist and talking snakes shouldn't make you have medical decisions. And because Uncle Joe gave an oxygen cylinder to an Indian guy doesn't mean he's not committing an apartheid genocide. But before we go, um, Matt, again, I know um, he told us there is something from a listener. And Kay and I, this is another one where we are in the dark. So y'all are yeah, going to be have... hearing this at the same time we are. So quick and easy, like we said, we're going to try and limit these so that mm. we can kind of do them in bulk and like, you know, bonus episodes. But I, I like did, quick and easy. I did right? want to mention this because it's it's been rare that Kay gets a shout out. And uh -oh. so, <laughs> so our buddy Justin Randall's. Uh, the one Justin, who, the one who converted uh, Chris on uh, his stance on AOC. Uh, AOC converted <laughs> me on my stance on AOC. I've, I've made an. Impression. I'm just now in the same boat as Justin. So does uh, he this, hate me or something? No, 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 no. So this is what he says. Your money. Uh, I'm quoting here. Man, Kay and I don't typically see eye to eye, but on the Q and A episode, he was really hitting some marks. That's what I love about the show. Even the furthest ideology for me is intelligent and empathetic. Also, I never thought those questions are rhetorical. Chris. <laughs> Fair enough, well, my friend. Thank you, Justin. I appreciate it. 
Uh, Justin, thank you for that. So if you are sending us messages or giving us uh, shout outs, um, I am going to get to you guys, but we're probably going to release those as bonus content and uh, maybe even answer them when we do some more live episodes, which I should mention. Uh, we enjoyed doing that. We now have a better way of getting live episodes out there and there will be more coming down the pathway along with more Discord Hangouts. Yes, we actually got that solved and we are going to be doing another live show where people can tune in live and hang out, uh, which will have a chat feature so people can literally ask us questions live and talk to us live. Yep. So we love you all. Thanks for being here with us. Uh, I know today was a little bit jumbled, but we just had to get some COVID stuff off our chest. It's big. It's important. Uh, it's multifaceted. And us on the left need to be talking about it, not just booing right wingers and patting Democrats on the back. Like, no, we need to have nuance in this conversation and we need to call out bullshit where we see it and call out evil where we see it and applaud science and doing well when we see it. Absolutely. So I absolutely agree. So until next week, everybody, we're glad you joined us for this one. Until next time, take care of yourselves, take care of each other. And remember, the revolution is you.